I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. How can we enter into this season of Advent and anticipate Jesus being born anew into our life each day through the people who are around us? Stay tuned. You know, two years ago, my doctor told me that I would go deaf, but I haven't heard from him since. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 83. Good to be with you this Thanksgiving weekend and first Sunday of Advent weekend. It is wonderful to be with you all. A lot going on in my life, and um, you'll will definitely, I'm not going to say maybe, you will definitely probably hear the screams or sounds of my children in the background. Um, so just be ready for that. But uh, let's get into peak pit and plug. My peak of these past few weeks is that I got to see Jenna, my best friend, and Tony and Je- and Jude and Adelaide, their whole family. They were so kind, uh, willing to quarantine, test for COVID, test negative, and come over and spend the day with us, which was just really incredible. So um, we've been so isolated, not even seeing family, save one you know occasion that was similar. Uh, when they got tested and quarantined to come see us. Um, and yeah, it was just, man, it was just really great to see people, <laughs> um, but especially them. So that was a huge highlight. But my our pit is even, you know, is just as equally big in the opposite direction. We have a water leak in our house and it has been a week and no one has come and looked at it this i don't i don't know if any of you have ever gone through this of going through home warranties and home insurance and how long it takes but like we've got one shower and bathtub um and our water has to be off um and where the leak is is primarily right under our bathtub so we can't use it so we had to temporarily move out of our home with two kids and all that is needed to take care of and live with two kids along with all of our own things along with everything we need to work remotely and so it was it's been a rough week um really really rough week so please pray for us um as of today recording this we finally have a plumber coming to see the leak tomorrow so it has been over a week and, um, yeah, it's, there've been some great people who've really been helping along the way, but, um, for the most part, it's just been very frustrating and, um, yeah, hard to get anything done with this situation looming and wondering if anyone's going to call and we're going to have to drop everything. So I'm very grateful to have a place to stay at the moment, um, that we don't have to worry about people coming in and out of our house with our kids there, but, um, yeah, just a lot going on. So please pray for us. And my plug is... Um, the season of Advent, but not specifically just the season, because you probably knew it was happening, but my plug rather is an intentional Advent. And so my plug really for you is a question that I want you to be able to answer, and that is, what are you doing to spiritually prepare this season of Advent? What is one tangible, specific thing you are doing to prepare? And I want to talk a little bit about Advent as we get into this episode, um, You know, Advent is the season which spiritually prepares us for the celebration of the Christmas season. And so Lent is to Easter as Advent is to Christmas. But Advent, it is a penitential season, season, but not in the same way that Lent is. Advent, it has this sense of, of joy already. So like the joy is here, but not completely here yet. 
It's this joyful anticipation or expectation. And my favorite image for Advent because of that is pregnancy. You know, when you find out that you're pregnant, um, it's very joyful, hopefully, and there's a big celebration, but then there's all of this preparation that needs to happen for the real joy, the real climactic moment of the birth to happen. And so for us, we are making room, we are nesting, we are making, uh, clearing away the things in our home or the space that is needed to invite Jesus in. And so we're doing that in our souls. And so how are you doing that spiritually? How are you carving out time and getting rid of the clutter in your life and your spiritual life um, to make room for Jesus to be born anew? And in Advent, we don't just look to the past. You know, Jesus was born. He was a real man who was historically documented, who really lived about 2,000 years ago. So we remember that and joyfully celebrate that occurrence of the Incarnation. But we also look ahead to the future and knowing that Jesus will come again. And that's why this first Sunday of Advent, you're going to hear still some kind of apocalyptic readings about the end times, because we're not only meant to be anticipating the celebration of Jesus' birth, but also anticipating and expecting that he could come back at any moment and that we need to be spiritually prepared. And so Advent is a reminder of the daily preparation we need to be undergoing to stay awake and to be sober and alert, be watchful. Uh, All of these phrases that you've probably been hearing these past few Sundays in the gospel. But the third way that we need to be uh, preparing for Advent is recognizing that Jesus is not only going to come in the past, came in the past and is going to come in the future, but he is seeking to be born anew into your life each day in the present moment. And really, this is what staying awake is all about. This is what preparing for the season of Advent or through the season of Advent is all about, that you cannot change the past and we cannot fully know the future, but in order to form the future, we must make choices today. We only have today, this moment, in our immediate control. And so I don't know if you've struggled with that idea of control, especially in the middle of this pandemic. I know I have. But a good spiritual reflection And maybe just life reflection is the question, what can I do instead of focusing on what can I not do? What is out of my control? But say, okay, what can I do? What is in my control? In my control? I've been given the gift of today. I've been given the gift of my current geographic location, job, um, relationships, family, location, my own gifts and talents. Like that is what I have. What can I do with those things? And the same is true in our spiritual life. Here's where I'm at, Lord. What can I do? So this Advent, um, I would encourage you to, to think about your spiritual preparation as learning or relearning how to welcome and expect Christ to be born into your life each and every day, specifically to be born into your life through the other, through other people. Now, I know this time makes it very complicated, Um but there's this uh, idea in um, Jewish spirituality called Shalia. And in the Old Testament, you see this, um, where if the king went to send a messenger to give a message to you, you treated the messenger like you treated the king himself. And so there was this kind of concept of radical hospitality in Jewish culture. And we're meant to have that same concept of Shalia because... The king, Jesus Christ, king of the universe, is present in everyone. And so we should treat everyone as his messenger, whether they're a good messenger or a bad messenger, with the dignity according, or that we would show in accordance to that same true king, Jesus Christ. 
And so I wanted to mention all of that because I want to talk a little bit about our last episode. You know, I talked about solidarity and how we need to be ready and willing to help and bring attention to the issues around the world and the things that are important. But solidarity is nothing without subsidiary and thinking about what am I called to do now in my local community? And instead of just raising awareness on Twitter, how about I close my computer screen and go help my neighbor? And so I want to talk about that particular idea of subsidiary and how we can be celebrating Advent in a very unique and special way by expecting to encounter Christ in the other, by practicing this, uh, I don't know, devotion to subsidiary or recognition of our role in subsidiary, and trying to foster community and address loneliness in the midst of a COVID-ridden world. How do we encounter the other locally? How do we bring Christ into those conversations or encounter him there. Now, obviously, COVID makes this very complicated, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. You know, we still have phones, we have Zoom, we have Skype, we have FaceTime, we have socially distanced in person, we have outdoors in well-ventilated areas, we have many different ways we can connect. It's simply about making an effort to set those things up or to simply go knock on a neighbor's door and then step 10 feet back and say, hey, I just wanted to check in. Do you need anything? Do you need someone to talk to? Um, or reaching out and saying, hey, I'm really alone. I could really use a weekly check-in, you know, and saying that to your family or your friends, like, this is what I need right now. And people who really love you are more than willing to do that. And guess what? They're probably suffocating from a lack of that as well. And so I think this is something that is going to be very welcome to anyone who brings it up or receives it. You know, being a minister, I train a lot of people in how to have intentional conversations, and that's really the core of what ministry is. If you think about your faith life and what brought you to faith in Jesus Christ, it probably was not a particular teaching or topic that was just like a aha moment. It was probably a relationship or a series of relationships of people who journeyed with you, walked with you, were in relationship with you, and desired for you to know the Lord. And they witnessed that by their own joy, their own love, and their own presence in your life. And we call that relational ministry, or the ministry of relationship, basically. And so I think right now in this Advent season, in this time of COVID, in this holiday season, and exercising this idea of subsidiary and radical hospitality to the other, this is what is needed. A renewal of ministry of relationship, of relational ministry in our daily life. Even if you are not a minister and these conversations don't necessarily start or end with anything that has to do with faith, but how can you have intentional conversations with the people around you or the people that matter most or the people you like to invite, in, invite into deeper relationship with you? And so, um, yeah, that that is very complicated right now, but I, I acknowledge that. I'm not saying this is easy. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still built for relationship. We're still wired for it. And so if you're struggling, feeling isolated or feeling like, you know, I don't, I don't really have relationships right now, my big encouragement for you as you spiritually prepare this season of Advent is to simply ask. Ask for a deeper relationship with someone. Ask for the time you desire with family or friends. Make it happen. It's not going to fall in your lap. It never will. Relationships are two-sided, yes, but 
in a time of isolation, we can often feel like, oh, I'm always putting in the effort. But in reality, it's probably zero-sided at the moment. It's just like we just haven't had time or we're really not being intentional about telling our friends or our family, this is how I desire for you to love and support me right now. And a lot of times when people really care about us, they enjoy knowing that because then they know their energy is not being wasted, that they are actually um, loving you and reaching out to you in a way that they know is working and in a way that they know you find valuable. And so maybe this means, you know, having you and some of your friends or your family take the love languages quiz, which tells you like what of the five love languages um, are the ways that you dominantly receive affirmation and love from other people. And that's a good thing to know because let's say um, if you are quality time, and that's the best way that you receive love from other people is having quality time with them, but all of your friends are physical touch or words of affirmation, then they're always going to be, we tend to kind of give love in the way that we prefer to receive it. They're always going to be communicating to you their support or their um, desire to be close to you or physically close to you or, you know, um, anything like that. And it's not going to be beneficial for you. You're not going to feel fulfilled by those interactions because you're still craving that quality time. So, Maybe that's something that you can do together or one of those personality tests like Myers-Briggs or an Enneagram and and not to use this as like a rationalization or an excuse for certain behaviors to be like, oh, well, that's because you're a three or that's because you and you're an ENTJ or something like that. No, but it's a method of understanding and unlocking what makes you feel connected, purposeful, valued, loved and affirmed. And so if you know that about yourself, you can more easily communicate to other people This is what I really need right now. These are the types of relationships I'm looking for. And you can start to create that yourself in how you are building new relationships and inviting people into deeper conversations about life, faith, and anything. Um, A set of questions that I really love using... Um, for specifically for people in workplaces, so if you have coworkers who you're close to, or people that you interact with, work with, or you know dream with, maybe you have like kind of a, I don't know, a creative partner. Like this would be true of Jenna and I. We're we're more than friends. We've created things together, um, and things like that. This is a really good set of four questions to ask of that group of people because it illuminates a lot of tensions that can come up in creative atmospheres and workplaces and things like that. Um, But you could do this with family as well because, I mean, you know, family's job is to create life and relationship together. And so it's beneficial to know these things about each other regardless. But those questions are, one, what gives you energy and what depletes you? And so this you get to know like a little bit kind of along the lines of the love language, like what really makes you feel affirmed, energized? How do you prefer like interacting with other people are you an extrovert and introvert like some of those questions can kind of come out of this observation or the answer to this and then what depletes you can also illuminate like is the way that I'm sharing love and affirmation with my friend actually draining them or making them feel worse or more isolated and it's not anything that's obviously your intention or your fault it's just that people are different and we don't all receive Uh, love, affirmation, and positive things like that in relationships the same way as everybody else. And so it's helpful to know that. So what gives you energy and what depletes you? That's number one. Number two, what are your pet peeves? Uh, And this is not so that the other person knows now how they can annoy you best, but this is really so you can dive into like, what are the things I should avoid 
when I'm trying to support you and love you as your friend or as your family member? Um, how can I, what are some um, buttons that I can steer clear of to make sure that our interactions are always supportive, beneficial, helpful, and um, life-giving? Uh, thirdly, what is the best way to communicate with you? Some people just love connecting in person and some people don't. Some people don't like that one-on-one, very intimate personal setting. They would prefer the safety of a screen or a phone call um, or something like that. Being in a safe place in their home but still having the intimacy of the conversation one-on-one on the phone. Um this also helps when it comes to like workplace stuff because maybe you prefer to just send emails and some people they just they don't find value in that they just see emails as like notifications or memos and there's not really a two-way communication there because they value in-person discussion bouncing ideas off of each other and things like that and so that's something to be aware of what is their communication style and uh, is that different than yours and how can you find a way to connect those So what gives you energy and what depletes you? What are your pet peeves? What is the best way to communicate with you? And then lastly, what is something that is often misunderstood about you? This is such a great question because I think most often when we say these things, we recognize, yeah, a lot of people actually do have that misunderstanding about us and we can illuminate to them as to why that is. And it's probably something along the lines of these love language, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, personality traits, how we process information, how we communicate, things like that. And so um, those are great questions to ask of people who you create with, who you do life with very often, um, but maybe not questions you would ask right away of someone you just met. And so I wanted to set those there first because you probably already have people that you can connect with or might be connecting with um, that you can kind of deepen those conversations and start maybe exploring, you know, maybe let's do a personality test together and talk about it. Um, What's your love language? Why is that? Do you see, how do you see that borne out in your relationships and your family? Uh, What things energize you? Tell me about that. Do you want to take that further in terms of a career or is it a hobby You know, um, what have you done with that? You know, there's so many different secondary questions you can ask um, from this. Um, And so that's something to keep in mind, especially for people you already know. Now, what about people you don't know or you just met or you want to cultivate a deeper relationship with? Or maybe there's someone who you just meet randomly or you reconnect with. Um, These are the questions that I use to train ministers on how to do relational ministry. And these questions are who, what, where, when, why, how. If you remember those question questions, who, what, where, when, why, how, you will uh, most likely remember at least some of these. Um, So the who is who are you? And that can mean a lot of different things. First of all, I would always tell people learn their name and remember it. Learn actually who they are, what they're called. But also like who are you as in like give me the 411 on your life. Like what are you about? What are you into? What are you involved in? Um, you know, what does your life look like? A lot of those kind of small talk questions that we might uh, normally go to in conversations could fall under this category. But above all, I think learning who this person is and especially learning and remembering their name, committing that to memory. And then the second question, what? These two first questions are really where you can, you can kind of just spider web into a thousand different conversations. Uh, and the what is, what are you passionate about? Now, if you just met someone, you might not uh, feel comfortable asking that question in that form right away. But you might say, um, who are you? Tell me about your life. 
And then the what might become, oh, well, what are you involved in? Do you work somewhere? Do you have any hobbies? Uh, what do you enjoy? How, what do you like to do on your, in your free time? And those can be a little more disarming. And then you can kind of find everyone has that thing. You know, everyone has that thing that they could talk about endlessly. And the, the conversation isn't a struggle. It's not something you're kind of pulling teeth to kind of, oh, what do I have to ask next? How do I keep this conversation going? But you find the thing that they love the most. And then they can just teach you about it and tell you all about it. Um, and then you can ask so many different follow-up questions. Well, how'd you get into that? Why do you like it so much? Uh, to what end? Like, do you want to do this for a career? Um, if you could change it up and had all the time in the world or could do a different career, what would you do? That might be a way to ask this question. Um, this is also kind of alludes to that what fills you up and what depletes you question from our other set. Um, but this can also help you find a common ground, common passions or interests or pursuits, um, because we're all asking those big questions about life in different ways. What, you know, how do I find meaning, love, belonging, truth, goodness, and beauty? How do I realize that in my own unique gifts? Uh, and so everyone has these things that are kind of pulling at them, like, oh, yeah, you should try that. You should do that. And so maybe it's a sport that they're involved in, some kind of activity. Maybe they have a hobby. They make something. Uh, or maybe they're really obsessed with some kind of cultural phenomenon or show or, you know, they're a huge fan of some celebrity or movie or something. And you can ask them all about it. Um, you know, what do you love most about it? Uh, teach me how to play that. Um, how many players are there? What are the rules? Um, you know, all these different questions, directions we can go. And you can spend whole conversations uh, in just these first two questions. And I think that is uh, something very valuable. Now, I want to keep uh, reminding you the fact that this is obviously a Catholic podcast. And, uh, you, you know, we always, as Christian disciples, Catholic disciples, we're always you know, seeking to evangelize and bring people into the faith. Uh, and so the rest of these questions really kind of move into faith. But they do it in a very kind of easy, disarming way. Because when you start talking about what you're passionate about, you ultimately get to these big meaning questions. You know, like, well, why are you doing that? Why, why, why does that make you feel fulfilled? How do you feel that that is your purpose? Um, you can very easily say, like, well, where do you think that comes from? Or, you know, are you religious at all? Because, you know, I kind of feel like I have a purpose in that sense and that that comes from God. Like, do you agree with that? It's a very easy segue if you word it correctly and if you kind of get to that point in the conversation. And so the where can basically be like, where are you at with faith? Like, where is this pointing you? Where is God in the midst of this? Because it sounds very much like, you know, a mission-oriented conversation or a vocation-oriented conversation, whether or not you or the other person realizes it. And so uh, the, the who, who are you? What, what are you passionate about? The where is where are you at with faith? And you can start sharing, you know, testimonies, your own story. You can start asking big existential questions about life. Like, well, do you think we're alone in the universe? How did we get here? What's our purpose? What's me? What does all this mean? Um, you know, how do we know that God is real? How do you know specifically that God is real? What experiences have you had? Have you had any experience of anything supernatural, unexplained? You know, all of these, you can just spring off into all these different big life questions. Um, what was, were you raised with any religion? Were you raised with any concept of God? Do you still practice that? Why or why not? Like, tell me about that. Teach me about what you believe or the, let's explore the questions that you or both of us have together. I think it's such a really cool way to deepen conversation. 
in a very disarming way, right? It's not like, oh, I believe in Jesus and you should too. It's a, look, look, we both have these passions, these things that drive us. Where do those come from? What are they pointing to? How do they make us feel fulfilled? Where is meaning in all of that? And where does meaning come from? Um, it's, they're very naturally intertwined questions. We've just disconnected them as a culture, right? We've deleted God from it. And then purpose becomes like self-achievement, self-fulfillment, uh, bettering ourselves. This is why life coaches are so big. Um, you know, life coaching is spiritual direction without Jesus. Like that's basically what it is. So it's, you know, that, so we can very easily put these back together and do it in a very disarming way and not force it upon people. And and if someone has a really adamantly anti-religious view, that is part of the where are you at with that question. And you can still explore, like, well, tell me why. What happened? Did something cause that? Um, you know, like, you seem very passionate about this. Tell me more about it. Um, yeah, I think those are great questions to ask under the where category. The when is kind of connected to that, and I alluded to it a little bit, but when have you experienced God? Have you ever had a spiritual experience? Um, you know, when have you had a moment that was unexplained or that connected you to something deeper than yourself? Was there ever a moment where you felt just, I don't know, connected to the world or connected, um, you know, to your purpose in such a way that was very transcendent? Um, a lot of different questions that are kind of intertwined in that where and when. Um, the why question, usually we would ask in the context of ministry, which is why are you here? So like, why are you here in youth ministry? Why are you here in confirmation? Um, but this why question in a normal conversation is something that I think should permeate your entire question, your entire uh, conversation with this person. Be like, well, well, why are you interested in that? Why do you believe that? Why um, why are you doing the things that you're doing? You know, why are you uh, in X occupation or why do you have X hobby? What do you get out of it? So that why question, I think, is a question of meaning and meaning, conversations about meaning are very deep and valuable conversations, very enriching. And so I think that why question is very important. And then as Christians, we always want to end with how, which is how can I pray for you? This is a very disarming way to kind of let the other person know, hey, yes, I am religious. I've really loved this question or this conversation that we've had. How can I continue to pray for you? Is there anything else going on in your life? Because then, you know, they may open up this whole new area of vulnerability now that you've had this deep conversation about life and meaning with them to say, actually, my sister's really sick or actually, I'm really struggling with X. And be like, oh, tell me more about that. Um, I definitely want to pray for you, but let's talk about that. Uh, that can be an area of really deep connection. Um, and so I want to encourage you to, to think about that and those questions. And then if you ask that, how can I pray for you question, to actually pray for them right there on the phone, distance in person, over Instagram, over or Instagram live. No, that's not a thing. Over, uh, well, it is, but not in the way I'm talking about it. Um, over Zoom, over FaceTime, whatever it may be. Um, and that, that can be a really meaningful experience for another person. Like, wow, this person you know, was able to overcome feeling judged or overcome like, you know, not knowing how I felt about religion and was willing to kind of go out a limb and, and pray for me. And usually I, I don't, I honestly don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've asked, hey, how can I pray for you? And, and it's gone badly. I mean, the worst question I've gotten is, oh no, that's okay. Thank you. And it's like, well, you know, that's, that's like a very cushiony no. It's not like the end of the world. You know what I mean? It's a very um, disarming question. And even people who are, 
you know, atheists or people who are anti-religious or not practicing, they usually have an answer for that question. It might be like, well, if you're going to pray, you can, you know, send good vibes or good thoughts or, you know, um, think of me in this regard, you know. They might not use that language because they may be vehemently anti-religious, but a sense that you're willing to kind of go out on a limb for someone else, spend time invested in the worries and troubles of another person, it can be very valuable, and people are very touched by that. Um, they may not see the value of it being in the package of a prayer, but that doesn't mean that they're going to say no. So, you know, this idea of subsidiary and also and, and us having these conversations, encountering Christ and the other, I think it's an opportunity this Advent to really encounter Jesus in other people, especially at a time we're all craving connection and relationship finding creative ways to connect, but then not having normal everyday conversations, getting back to the nitty gritty conversations of meaning, passion, um, you know, purpose. And that can really uplift a lot of people right now who need to be reminded of their why. Like, why am I, why am I continuing to keep going? Like, why am I trying to power through this just like mess of a world and mess of my life? Like, I have felt like that a lot lately with this stupid water leak and a lot of other things that have been going on with me personally. Like, I need to constantly keep my why in mind. Otherwise, I'm just going to be in total despair and, you know, feel like, well, there's really no reason to keep going, you know? So I, I think this is something that can really uplift a lot of people, this type of conversation. I'll leave you with one other question, and it kind of depends on the context of the group that you're in. But if you're in a group that maybe doesn't know each other very well or is very diverse or, um, you know, you're just looking for a way to explore creative conversations. When I was in my master's program, I think I've shared this before. We had a class on faith and culture, and a question that we were warned of in advance was, you know, at our next class session, we're going to go around, we're going to spend the entire period, entire class, which was about three hours, and every single person is going to tell the story of how their family came to this country and what that has meant for them and the difficulties or, you know, um, opportunities, trials, whatever we wanted to mention and felt comfortable mentioning that went along with those stories. And it was a really, I've never felt more connected to a room of people in my entire life than when I had that conversation. Uh, and when I got to listen and hear the pain, hear the triumph, hear the, the interesting backgrounds, unexpected twists, fun stories from people's pasts that they chose to see value in to share. Um, that also is just a really wonderful question. Um, you can find really great get-to-know-you questions Um online. Um, I wrote a book for Life Teen called Stop Being Awkward, um, which is all about get to know you questions, questions for deeper reflection. It also has like icebreakers, riddles, and jokes in there if you ever need to ease the tension. Um, I don't get any money from that book, so um, if but it's something I know exists out there. Um, so shameless plug that is not really shameless or wouldn't need to be shameful if I did plug it because I get nothing. So anyway, that is... Um, Kind of my advice for you this Advent season and uh, some encouragement. Obviously, think about how you can commit to deeper prayer in your relationship with Jesus. Obviously, do that. But there's so many great resources for that out there. I think what we need most is to be reminded that Jesus created us for relationship. God created us for relationship. And that Jesus exists in every person that we encounter by virtue of them being created in the image and likeness of God and having a soul. And so... Some people we have to dig a little bit deeper to find that Jesus than others. But why don't we practice that Hebrew um, practice of Shalia, radical hospitality for the king who lives in every messenger and every person. 
and practice that subsidiarity and what we can do in the places we've been called to minister, to serve, and to connect in a time when all of those things are very difficult and complicated. So I want to share with you a great saint very quickly um, to ask for the intercession of. This saint was really interesting. I came across his story randomly in preparation for this episode, and he has a lot of strange legends attached to him. It's very difficult to figure out when he actually lived and what um, actually happened in his life, because there's a lot of things that have just kind of been confused historically. But his name is Saint Julian the Hospitaller. His feast is on February 12th. And he's the patron saint of hospitality, boatmen, carnival workers, childless people, circus workers, clowns, fiddle players, hotel keepers, hunters, innkeepers, jugglers, knights, murderers, pilgrims, shepherds, travelers, and wandering musicians. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he set up um, some hospitality inns and homes um, for a lot of different travelers throughout his life. And so uh, he's sometimes called the poor man, but he came from a wealthy noble family, and he's a very popular saint in Western Europe. He was depicted in a lot of Renaissance literature and art, and his name was invoked um, in to be places that were built to help extend hospitality to the knights who were coming in the Crusades, Uh, They're often named for St. Julian, so the St. Julian Inn or something like that. His name was often invoked in these places. So according to a legend, when he was a baby, he was cursed uh, to one day kill his own parents. So it's very kind of like Oedipus Rex type of story here. But his father ended up wanting um, him to be killed, but his mother kept him alive. And so when he was old enough to learn of this curse, he left his family to preserve their safety. So he was out hunting one day as an adult, and his mother and father made an unexpected visit to his castle to kind of track him down and reconnect. And his, he had been married since then, so his wife, um, she gave him one of the best rooms, and he was out hunting, and the devil appeared to him in a vision and said that his wife was in bed with another man. And so he returned home to kill whoever was in that bed. And so when he did, he saw two figures in the bed. He assumed it was his wife with a lover. And in a jealous rage, he accidentally fulfilled that curse and killed both of his parents. And he was obviously heartbroken when that happened. He left the 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 building, the room, and he saw his wife. And his wife was like, oh, your parents are here. And he just like collapsed. So he swore to devote the rest of his life to good works. And some accounts say that Christ came to him the next day disguised as a beggar. And Julian initially refused him because of what he had done. But Christ asked uh, for him to hold his walking stick. And Julian was then able to see him as he was. And he repented and vowed to uh, belong to Jesus. And he was forgiven. Um, And whether that happened or not, either way, he and his wife then undertook a pilgrimage to Rome to um, make penance for what he had done. And when they eventually returned, he established a hospital, which I don't think is the equivalent of a modern day hospital. Um, It would have been like a hostel today that maybe had some like basic, you know, medical care that was provided for weary travelers or those who'd been injured by robbers or something on the on the, the journey to where they were going. But this hospital that he founded was near a river, and it was frequently crossed by people um, who were traveling for the Crusades, and people often drowned crossing this river, so Julian took uh, the responsibility of ferrying them across and tending to the sick who had had trouble crossing the river. And so one night, um, legend says that the devil came into his house, vandalized it, and blamed it on those people that Julian helped. 
And so he said he would never house anyone ever again. And he um, was like so adamant against this. But that that same day or that evening, uh, a leper was swept up trying to cross the river to get to the end. And so he was compelled to go and rescue him. And he put that leper into his own bed. And it turned out that that leper was an angel who appeared to him. And after recognizing that angel, he retracted that statement to never help anyone again and decided to help all those who needed it once again. In his lifetime, he built seven hospitals and 25 houses in reparation for the poor. Um, And so, you know, we're called to serve others and encounter Christ in them, no matter the ways we failed, no matter the ways that are difficult because of this time or isolating. Um, And we may have just blown up in conversations to the people in our own homes or people who are really close to, or we've neglected those relationships, um, even in our own families, renewal, forgiveness, and redemption are always possible. I think I, I learned that from Julian's story, and I think we can all be reminded of that as we go into this Advent season, as we go into this new year. It's like Catholic New Year starting this Sunday, first Sunday of Advent. We, we undertake a new journey of anticipation and expectation, and so let's leave behind the maybe emotional baggage of this year, maybe the things we've said that we need to ask forgiveness for, let's do that so that reconciliation can happen and so that we can really dive deeper into our relationships and ask more intentional questions, have more enjoyable conversations and connect with people in ways we never did before. Um, Not let these conversations and connections be superficial just so we can kind of like maintain our friendships during COVID, but really allow our friendships to be life-giving sources of encouragement, joy, and hope during this difficult and dark time. Reach out to those people who have difficulty during the holidays, Uh, people who you know who are living alone or living uh, disconnected from family, people who have been shut away in senior living facilities or in the hospital. Find some way to connect, call. Uh, Technology can make that happen. Even if you have to talk to a nurse or a, a worker at one of these facilities and say, hey, how can I drop off or send you some means of connecting with this person? Uh, figuring out a way to do that so that you can bring life and deeper conversation uh, to those you've been called to journey with at this time and practice that virtue of subsidiarity. So that is my encouragement to you, my advice to you. Um, I hope it made sense and flowed well because I know we talked about Advent and last episode and all of this, but all of that has been kind of on my heart and I was just so um, I felt the transformation happen, you know, um, in the moments where I connected with people on my birthday, like I told you in the last episode, and when I got to see Jenna and her family um, this past weekend, and just there, when I don't have those, I recognize I'm lacking in like my nature. I'm like, I don't feel human. I don't feel whole. And so uh, we're called to feel whole. And Christ makes us whole, but Christ does not only dwell in us, he dwells in others. And so how do we create connection and relationship that is Christ-centered, but that really fuels and brings hope and joy to us and the people that we're in relationship with, practicing that radical hospitality and diving deeper into the truth of who our friends and family are, what makes them tick, and how they are exploring those longings and passions for love, belonging, truth, goodness, and beauty. Have a wonderful, wonderful uh, Advent season. Um, Look forward to our next episode. If you have any suggestions for what you'd like to hear, any questions you would like for us to answer, uh, please send those over to us. You can find all the ways to connect with us as well as all of the content that we create, um, weekly blog posts, our podcast, all at manafoodforthought.com. And so go there and remember the highest compliment you could pay us is to share this episode and our podcast with a friend, especially on social media. Make sure you tag us when you do that. 
Make sure you're following us on Instagram and uh, checking out those weekly uh, psalm reflections. And lastly, if you want to support us and become a patron, financial supporter for as little as a dollar a month, you will get access to bonus perks and things of the like uh, when those finally come together. And thank you to all of our existing patrons. You are uh, just incredible, wonderful people. I'm so grateful for you. Um, It does cost money to host this podcast and keep it going. And so you are able to cover the cost for that. Um, I'm just so incredibly grateful for your continued support. Thank you. Um, Yeah, know that I'm praying for you. I'm grateful for you, Um, especially in the midst of this holiday season. I pray it's a blessing for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.